I have problems with that as well. Well, God's been good to us this week. We're all here in church. I have a lot of a lot of things to be thankful for. And before we get started, if you remember last week, we left off right here. Welcome to the kingdom, uh, a new way of life for a covenant people. But just a couple of things uh, that I want to ask you about last week. Now, you know, we talked about the Holy Ghost, and we talked about, you know, the gospel message, various things that we, we covered last week. Do you, um, and I know I, I may have brought this out, and it may be a little difficult, but now we know the gospels, we, we call the gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the gospels. It tells about the life of Jesus Christ. But really, in the 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the first four verses, it, it tells you what the gospel really is, gospel being good news. So what, what is the good news? What does gospel mean to us? What is the good news for us? Do you have any, any ideas? That's exactly right. Death, burial, and resurrection. That's the good news for us. If Jesus hadn't died for us, there would be absolutely no hope because he was the only perfect sacrifice that could atone for the sins of the world. And, and so he, that's the good news for us. Uh, so the death, burial, and the resurrection. Now, do you remember how we apply the death, burial, and resurrection to our lives? Baptism. Once one. That's the burial. How about the, the death part? Death, burial, and resurrection. Repentance, good. And how about the last part, resurrection? Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, very good. Very Ah, you just made me proud. Now we just we'll just quit and go get something to eat. How's that? <laughs> That's good. Good for you. Very good. Holy Ghost. Now, do you remember the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost? Talking tongues. Very good. Well, I don't need to ask any more questions. You guys have got it together. Now let's move on. That's that's wonderful. I'm very very proud of you. All right, we're going to look at this now, and. Uh, get up here where I can see this. I just can't see that far anymore. I have to do it here on this little chart. We're welcome to the kingdom. A covenant. Uh, let's just go. I, I think I might have mentioned what a covenant was. Uh, do you remember remember what a covenant is? Either one of you? It's A covenant is an agreement that God makes. Excuse me. <coughs> it's an agreement God makes. So the Old Covenant or the Old Testament that was the old agreement, and the new covenant is the New Testament, uh, the new agreement. So a new way of life for a we are covenant. We've entered into a new covenant. Now the sign and token, we talked a little bit about that with baptism. Baptism had several different meanings, uh, but one of those meanings was that the, it was the, the covenant or the token of the covenant. All right, when you're baptized, it's a cutting away the old man of the heart, where uh, uh, the circumcision of the flesh was the old uh, token of the covenant in the Old Testament. <coughs> oh, my goodness, I got something in my throat. Yeah. Do, do I? That's, that's, that is the token of the new covenant, circumcision of the heart. So when you went down water baptism, the old, the old man of the heart was cut away. Okay, that, so that's that token. So we've got a new way of life for a covenant people. We've got an agreement with him. Now the Bible says in John 3 and 3, and in Matthew 18, so let's get those two scriptures. Let's go to John, for, well, go to Matthew first. Let's go to Matthew first. Matthew 3 and 3. I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew 18 and 3, John 3 and 3. Matthew 18 and 3. 
You got your duck today. The duck. I got him. I used to duck hunt years and years ago. And uh, it is funny. I used to have Labrador and had all the decoys. And I realized right then I, I'm going to have to make a choice. I can't hunt everything. So I, so I gave up duck hunting. <laughs> gave up duck hunting. All right, we've got the duck. Now, Matthew 18 and verse 3. And it says this. And said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to note that scripture. Until you become converted and be like little children. Now let's think for a minute before we go there. And I know I'll probably take too much time, but I, I, I want to get this point across. You've got to become like a little child. A little child believes your mom and dad. They hold all the answers for a child. And we have to be the same way when it comes to God. We've got to believe that God holds all the answers for us, that we go to Him with our troubles and we leave it with Him. Faith and trust. Sometimes when a matter of faith, I believe, you know, I've always say it like this, faith is for today, trust and hope is for tomorrow. So I, I've got to trust in God that if it doesn't happen the way that I think that it should, that I trust Him with it anyway because He's got a better answer for me. Or sometimes we come to God and we have all this faith, things are going to work out a certain way. Well, it doesn't work that way. And we, we all of a sudden, we, we have no more faith. We've lost our faith. But we don't see like God sees. He sees the future. All things the Bible says are naked and open to him. So he sees down the line of something else that's even more important than what we need. And if we take the time to just trust God, the answers will be there. The answers will be there. And so that's, uh, that's exactly what, what this, this amounts to. we just got to believe him. So we have to become like a little child, just trusting him completely. All right, let's look at, let's look at uh, John uh, 3 and 3. In order to become like that little child, this is the answer. Uh, in John 3 and 3. And he said, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we have to come into the kingdom by the new birth experience. And then when we are in there, we have to become, well, first off, you have to become like a little child to really get there. And then you have to maintain being like a child. Not... Not wanting the, all the answers, not having to have, and that's a hard thing to do. Sometimes, especially, and I've said this before, especially with men, men like to have all the answers, like to have everything explained. They have, they have to know what's going to happen the, you know, the next minute, but that just isn't always the way that it happens. And so we, we have to trust and believe God and become like a little child. Now let's look at, at some of the privileges, and again, we're not going to be able to, to cover all of these but we see uh, the privileges of being a part of the kingdom, or being part of the covenant people, is number one, we have the remission of sins. That means sin is put away. That doesn't mean that, that sin doesn't try to come back and visit us, okay? But it's put away, it's put under. Now, if we live towards the flesh and we do carnal and fleshly things, then we can find ourselves back in the same mess again. But if we can trust God and believe that, the, that our sins are remitted and that we, we, we put them away and we live according to the way God wants us to live, then those sins will stay 
remitted. All right? And we can see, you'll see the scripture here, uh, several scriptures that tell you this. And number two here, the privileges, is we are the sons of God, our joint heirs with Christ. Now let's, let's look at Romans 8.14, just a little ways back in your Bible. Romans 8, verse 14. Well, in fact, we're going we're gonna to start with verse 13. I like the looks of that scripture. 8, verse 13, 14, and 15. Okay, 8, 13 says this, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. There's the answer. Not living after the flesh, but after the Spirit, following after spiritual things. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We become sons. We have the privileges of sons and also joint heirs with him. Uh, number three, we have his righteousness. Uh, we're still in Romans. Look at Romans, uh, look at Romans 3.22. Romans 3, verse 22. Okay. And it says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith. How do I become righteous? I have to have faith in Jesus Christ. It's not my righteousness that's going to take me to heaven, because if I have to depend on my righteousness, I'm going to be in trouble. But if I can depend on his, and I have faith in his righteousness. In other words, if I mess up big time, you know, I think maybe once in 30 years I've messed it. Now I'm lying. So I'm messing up again, so I better, I better take that back. I've messed up a few times, but I go to him, and I believe in his righteousness. God, this thing is too big for me. You heard it say last week, this thing is too big for me. I have to depend on your righteousness to make this right. So it's by his righteousness that I live. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. No difference. So it's righteousness by faith. It's trust. This relationship with God that you're getting into is not one based on laws. It's based on love. And if you love God, you'll be obedient to everything that God has for us. That's just that simple. And, and when it comes down to that, and I know that's, that's simplistic in its definition, but it's a truth. It's when the more you fall in love with Jesus Christ, the easier it is to live for him. It's just that, that simple. All right? And then you have eternal life. That's the great part of it, isn't it? First John, uh, I think it's 5.13. First John 5.13. All right. Uh, 5.17. I'll look. I'll find it. First John, not not Saint John. First John. Is that me? Yeah, I thirteen. Okay, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that ye have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is a confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Do we know that if this book says that we can have it, that this is his will? So if I ask him anything that's in this book, it's his will. And so I've got to believe that he's going to answer that prayer, and he will. Okay, so I know that he's... 
you never get to the point, and and we live in a uh, living for God is is a it's, it shouldn't be a balancing act, but in some cases it becomes a, a uh, to some people it becomes a balancing act. I I believe there's nothing wrong in believing I'm going to make it to heaven, but I also have to know that I can't live any way I want to. I'm going to make it to heaven. So I also know that that being a human being, that there's going to be mistakes. And I go to him when I I have that, and I have to trust in his forgiveness. But on the other side of it, I have to learn to, every day, that I want to live for him. And I have to put this flesh under every day and live for him every day. And those things come by prayer, by church, by, by fasting by studying the Word of God, you know, all of these things we have to do, that, that gives us the right balance. That doesn't mean that we have to give up living altogether. And, and you know, you, you can, I've had more fun. I heard one preacher say this one time. He said, I, uh, he, said he, was, he was, came to a church service one time, it was before he was saved, and he said that he, he watched everybody and they were worshiping, having a good time. And he said, I made a decision right then. He said, these Pentecostals were having a whole lot more fun going to heaven than I was going to hell. So it just comes right down to, you know, I have a whole lot more fun going to heaven than I was going there. So he, he, got, he got his heart right with God. So we have eternal life. We are a new creature, a new creation in God. Old things, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we also believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying there is he's lord of my life. He's, the, he's in charge of me, and the more you live for him, the more you understand about Jesus Christ, the more you understand about the love of God, the more he'll become Lord of your life. Now, that was our privileges. Let's look at responsibilities. I mentioned some of that already, but love God and obey his commandments. Let's look at uh, John 14, 23. That's St. John. John 14, 23. There you go. Okay. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. If a man love me, he'll keep my words. It's one thing for you to stand up and say, oh, I love Jesus Christ. But you show if you love Jesus Christ if you keep his words. In other words, you do what the Bible tells you to do. That's what he's saying. That's how you know, that's how he knows that you love him. All right, responsibility of God, obey his commandments. Also to submission to God's will and submission to human authority. That's hard for some people, but it's all also a part of it. Look at Hebrews, uh, I think it's 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17.
That Hebrew's hard book to find, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now I want you to note that scripture. That's one thing if any man is a pastor that he has to take very seriously. Uh, a lot of times a lot of times pastors get misunderstood. Some people think that they're lording it over them and they should never do that. It's against scripture, according to Peter. But on the other side of it, I've got to be a guy who answers to God for what I say. I have to answer. For what I'm doing right now, I'll answer to God for. What I do when I preach in this church, I answer to God for. And I got everybody that's that's under my ministry, I have to answer for them. So if I don't tell them the truth, then I'm going to answer to God for not telling them the truth. Sometimes it's easier because you think, well, I don't want to hurt that person's feelings. I want I don't want to offend them. But if the Bible offends you, it's not me that's offending. It's the Bible that's offending. And that means you're being offended by God, not me. So a pastor has a responsibility to, to you know, you love the people, but tell people the truth. And there's a lot people anymore who just they don't want to tell it people don't want to hear it but it's responsible to any man of God to tell the truth alright so you have to listen that's part of it that's a responsibility to a person to listen to that when a man of God preaches it listen to it alright continue in spiritual development now we won't go there but in other words we just continue to grow in God the Bible says to grow in grace and in truth in other words God's unmerited favor or love. That's what grace is. So I have to grow in grace and in truth. I have to continue to, to, to learn, to study, to listen, to, uh, to, to you know, have Bible studies and to, to study the Word, to pray, and let God open my heart, my understanding. You know, a lot of times people just get into this and they begin to read it, and they don't pray beforehand. You know, if you pray beforehand, then you'll open up your spirit and open up your heart in order for you to receive it. So that's, that's, that's vital to do this. Also, to continue in Jesus' mission. He had a mission. Uh, we, we read those in the Great Commission. Go out and preach the gospel to every creature, to teach people, to preach to people. That's the mission of the church. That's what we're supposed to do. And, you know, that's also not just mine. It's everybody in here. It's yours. It's a mission for you to continue to preach and to, and to teach each and every one. And prepare for the future position. Let's look at Revelations 20. In verse 6, look at Revelation, last book in the Bible, Revelations 20. Okay, and we're going to be coming to Revelations not uh, too far in the future. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the righteous dead. That's when the rapture or the catching away of the church occurs, when the Lord returns. He'll come back and get a people that are alive on this earth, but also those people that have died in Christ. They'll be the first ones to go up. And he said, blessed and holy are they that have. So we have a future position that we have to, it's a responsibility for us to be, keep ourselves ready for that future position. And we'll be kings and priests with God. That's what the Bible says. Everything that you do in the kingdom of God now 
is maintaining or getting something, not maintaining, but actually building something on the other side. It's what the Bible says uh, to keep your, set your affection on things that are above, not on things on this earth. Because our affection, our treasure, where your heart is, that's where your, uh, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So if I build my treasure in heaven, my heart's going to be in heaven. I'm, I'm looking, I was talking to a preacher last night, and I told him he was having a lot of physical problems, and I told him, I said, uh, you know, I said, what we're going to do is, I said, let's just, you, you know, we're living in the end of all this. And I said, if we, uh, you and I just got to agree that God's going to take care of us physically, going to take, maintain us, heal our bodies, and we're going to, we're going to one time be, we're going to take off here shortly in the rapture of the church, and we're going to have a new body. So we just got to maintain this thing for a short time. And he told me, he said, well, he said, if the rapture takes place, he's from Mississippi. He said, you just look for this fat glob going up into heaven. <laughs> and, he said, and he said, just know that we'll make it. And I said, well, I said, you just look north. And I said, I'm not going to say it's going to be a fat glob. I said, just look for anything going up that looks like me. So, you know, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a, a time together in heaven where this body is not going to make any difference. How many aches and pains you have, you're going to have a brand new body. You know, and things you're dealing with right now, going to have to deal with it. You know, it's, it's, it's a wonder and a wonderful privilege when we begin to think of it. So, so we have a prepare for a future position. So let's move on. We're not going to stop here. Uh, here's some money. Remember when you used to be like that? Yeah. Let's just, uh, that's the old way, from darkness to light. Let's look at Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8. sinners out there. We've got a lot to do though, don't we? A lot to do. And that's what you do when you begin to look at, at the world and the condition of the world and people you know. All that should do is just just make you want to work that much harder. You know, I want to do all I can to to make a difference. To win as many of my friends, my family as I possibly can. That doesn't mean they'll all, that they'll all listen. But what it does mean is I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Alright. Are you there? Ephesians 5, verse 8. Is that what I said? Uh, yeah, Ephesians 5, verse 8. Okay. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So this was the old way. This is the new way. We're no longer in darkness, but we're children of light. Now let's look at the old way. And in Matthew, these, now these are chapters. And if you get an opportunity, just write these down. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read those whole chapters. Because it tells you how Jesus, uh, he goes back and talks about the old way that we used to be. And he says this is the new way that we need to be. The new way. So it's a, you'll see both of them in James, or Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the old ways, there was murder. There was anger. It's in the heart of every human being. Anybody can do that. Sexual sins. Revenge, hate your enemies, prejudice, hypocritical, greed, worry, anxiety, and judgmental. This worry and anxiety, you know, it's pretty easy to get through some of the rest. of These last two are terrible, even for someone who's been living for God for some time. You know, the worry and the anxiety and being judgmental, we all have those tendencies, and we have to fight them because this is the way we're supposed to be. And we look at this new way, we ask forgiveness. 
we, I, I made a statement to, and this, this person's gone, uh, as they, they passed away some years ago, and, and um, that they, and this is even before my day, but I, I, this, this sticks with me because so few people do this anymore. And this person had, had left church, and they'd gone out thinking that they were supposed to do something else, and and didn't work out. And this person came back to the church, stood up in front of everybody and told him, he said, they said that I, I, what I did was wrong. Please forgive me. And that stuck with me so much throughout my life. It's been a long time ago that I never, never will forget that because so few people will ask your forgiveness. They, they, all, they do something against you, do something wrong against God. They just come back and everything's okay and we're supposed to forgive them, which we are. But isn't it nice to have someone ask you forgiveness? You know, it, it's, that's where the golden rule comes in. As you would that men do unto you, do unto them likewise. That's the golden rule. So, that's, so I, I need to treat people like I want to be treated. If I'm going to be, if I want someone to treat me right, then I better treat them right. And so we, we ask, ask forgiveness. Our thoughts should be pure. We, we, are, we pardon people. Again, it's, uh, we get pardoned, they get pardoned. We love our enemies. We're impartial. We have pure motives. We're generous, contented, and we're tolerant. These are the ways of the, the new way and the way that we should live. And regardless of how the world's living and regardless of whether it's popular or not, we don't live like the world. We're different. We're no longer in this side. We're over here. We're, we're no longer that way. And if you note, if you read down to the bottom here, it says laws and rules are necessary to govern the old nature. You know, the reason that there has to be laws is because of the old nature of a human being. But because we have a new nature, and we got the nature of Jesus Christ, we should not have to live under laws. We should live under love. And because of that, you don't have to make me serve God. You don't have to make me go out and do things. I do them because I love Jesus, not because I'm, I'm told to by law. So that's, that's important. I do this. I know what the Bible teaches, and I do it because I love God, and I want to make it to heaven. That's, that's the key. So from, from darkness to light, that's how we live. All right, moving on. Oh, the whole armor of God. That's a good one. Let's go to Ephesians. Oh, we're right there. Where I am anyway. Ephesians 6, one page over probably, 10 through 18. Now, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, and... Um, and he's telling them, this is, this is how you need to live. This is what you need to do in order for you to conquer the enemy. There's two enemies, that you, actually three enemies that you have to conquer. Uh, you have to conquer the world, you have to conquer yourself, and you have to conquer the devil. And so for us to be able to have the strength to do this, we have to put on the spiritual armor. So let's look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This tells you this is where the, the devil operates. He operates in, in government. He operates in high powers. You know, the devil is not going to come at you with a horns and a, for, uh, and a forked tongue and a fork on his tail. He's not going to have that. He's going to look just like me. He's going to look just like anybody else. But you, you, you're going to know about what he teaches. Remember, we've talked to you. You're going to know about what he asks you to do. And so this is, this is what you have to be careful of. Now look at verse 13. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. That's the belt. Loins girt about with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay? Loins girt about. You see, this is the, the belt that they had on. Uh, your loins, or excuse me. Um, loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. And above all, uh, gospel of peace, rather. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Okay, now you note this. Shield of faith. Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You see, this is an offensive weapon. This, this, this is the Word of God. That's what this represents. Okay, the shield of faith. That's your faith. It's a shield. And the shield, the Roman shield, covered the whole, whole person. They would take that shield up, a group of them would get together, and they could put up the shield and completely cover a whole uh, uh, regiment of people. And all the, all the arrows that would come down, and he said that quenches the, the darts of the enemy. They used to have uh, arrows that when they, they would put the end of it, they would put some stuff on it, and the friction when they shot it would ignite that arrow. That's where you got your fire arrows from. And if you had a, uh, a, a, a wooden shield, that thing would catch on fire. But these were not wood. They were wood under, but they had metal on top. That's how they would quench the fire. So that's what he was talking about. And the enemy, the, the, the devil, will try to do the same thing. He'll try to nail you right in the heart with a fire arrow, get you all fired up. That's what he tries to do, say the wrong thing. So, so, we, so you, your faith is what puts that out. You know, I'm not going to listen to you, devil. I refuse to. Having your feet shod with the preparation of peace or the gospel of peace. Um, so when you have your feet shod, that's what carries the gospel, is your feet. It's individuals that carry this message. That carries the death, burial, and the resurrection. Helmet of salvation, guarding the head. We have to guard our thoughts. Salvation should guard our thoughts. Do you realize that our biggest problem, and your biggest problem will always be your thought process. Because sometimes you doubt in your mind. It's always in the mind. And whatever garbage we put in here is what garbage comes out here. So we put good things here. We put good things here, then good things will come out the mouth. And a breastplate of righteousness, protecting the heart. And remember what I talked about righteousness earlier, it's his righteousness. I have to have faith in his righteousness to guard my heart. Because that's the only way it will work. So this is, this is a spiritual... Every day that I get up, I put that on. I'm not literally... But in my mind, I, I go through this. Or you can read this in Ephesians 6. You, know, you, can, you can read this, and, and every day you put it on. And Every day you, you get up and you say, I'm going to go against the enemy today, and I'm going to be prepared to go against the enemy today. All right, now look at the sources of our strength. Prayer, I, made that, I read that scripture to you already. Uh, prayer develops a relationship with the king. Now, now think about this for a moment. Um, if you are... If you love God, you want to spend as much time talking to Him as you possibly can. And that's exactly what prayer is all about. We talk to God. We, 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 not only do we talk to God, and there are several scriptures you'll see here on there concerning that. Again, we won't, uh, we're talking about it right now. We won't, we'll, we'll do one. Let's, look at, um, let's get one that's close here. Let's look at, let's look at Romans. Let's look at Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26. Towards the, back towards the center of the Bible. Romans eight twenty six. 
I'll read 26 and 27. Okay. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth that it is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And that, this type of prayer is praying in the Spirit. There's, there's different types of prayer, and that's... We won't have time to get into everything. You will learn this as you go along. There's different forms of prayer, but this, with this particular one is talking about when you let the Spirit pray for you. That's when you will pray in tongues. Because you sometimes you get such an urgency to pray, and you know that you need to pray for something, but you're, you, can't, you don't have the words to express it. So what God does is He'll take you into tongues, and the, and the Spirit will actually intercede for you because God knows what you need to pray for. And you will pray. And when you do that, that is the most fulfilling way of praying because you know that you've touched God. And you know that situation will be met. That's when you go into intercession and you pray that way and, and God can do so many. And there's so many, again, scriptures and we won't take the time to do them all. Look at the next one. This is the one that everybody loves. Fasting. I think the best way to fast is get a good friend. And, and when you're fasting and you're about two days into a fast and all you do is drink water, you don't eat anything. And then have them bring over a cake and a hot fudge sundae with nuts, brownies still hot, you know, apple pie. And, and that way you're crucifying the flesh. Nobody wants to do that. I've heard people talking about things like that. They said they really knew that they loved God because they'd crucify the flesh. One of the, this couple, one of them would fast and, and the other one would cook. And they'd sit down and eat in front of this. Now, how cruel can that possibly be? I guess you really have to enjoy what you're doing. But fasting is a physical discipline. What fasting does is gives you spiritual alertness. When you are eating all the time, your body, we, none of us, we all do it, but none of us need to eat as much as we eat. And you, know, what do you, do? But you eat breakfast, and just about the time your body gets done digesting breakfast, you throw lunch in there. About the time it gets done, you throw supper in there. Then you've got to have your 9 o'clock snack. So, <laughs> so all your body does is constantly digest food. But when you fast, your body is not constantly working on that. You're, there's a clarity that you give, and again, an alertness, and you're clear. And, and when you pray, you can hear God. Prayer is more than just you doing the talking. Prayer is the ability to stop and listen for God's voice. When you're fasting... There's a clarity. Now, it hurts. About three days into it, you're, you, you actually get through it pretty well. About the first two days up into the third day, you know, it's, it hurts. But there is, when you pray, there's a power that comes with Jesus fasted for 40 days. And you can fast 40 days. A lot of people don't realize that, but you can fast 40 days. You can't go without water for about three days, but you can fast. Because your body will take care of it for that length of time. So fasting, it's a physical discipline for spiritual alertness. And the, the last one, Bible study and meditating. Bible study is important. You've got to read this every day. This is your food. You take this, this, while you're fasting and you pray and you, you read, God will open up and you'll understand the Bible more than you ever did before. I can promise you that. And in meditating on it, I, one, I love to meditate. I um. A lot of times, uh, you know, you get Scripture. If you want to memorize Scripture, you get into it, you read it, you stop, and you meditate on that Scripture. You think about what it's saying. And you can get that thing in your mind, and you can, and you can memorize that Scripture. 
Uh, but you meditate. Think about what it's saying. Uh, one of the, I've had to have an MRI. You've ever had an MRI? Isn't that great when they stick in that tube and they turn that thing on? And boom, 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 all that stuff. I'm in there meditating when I'm doing that, trying to ignore what's going on around me in this little tube. But you meditate and quote scriptures over and over and over again. It really makes a difference. Meditate. What is God trying to say to me in that scripture? So you meditate on it. So it makes a big difference. So these are provisions for conquering the enemy. Now, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, again, you know, I'm just touching on these, letting you know they're here. I'm not giving you all the details uh, of everything that these are about. So let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Let's go back towards Revelation, a page, a few pages. Just a few pages. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We'll go verses 1 through 11. I'm gonna, I've been planning on doing a series on Wednesdays concerning gifts of the Spirit here at the church. Um, I've got all, all the stuff I need to teach. I just haven't started it yet. And, uh, and these are... These can be the most misunderstood things that there ever was, or they can be a blessing. I've seen people abuse them. I've seen people use them correctly. We're going to read down through here, 12th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. All right, he said there's all kinds of gifts. You see nine of them here. But it's all by one Spirit. You can't have spiritual gifts unless you have the Spirit. All right, let's move on. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which we worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, the faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts, plural, of healing, by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. All right, now, he divides every man as he will. Not everybody is going to have the same thing, but we have the power to have all of them. Through the Holy Ghost. Now, we're going to look at these. We're, we just break these down. Uh, there's a revelation gifts, power gifts, and inspiration gifts. Okay, now, follow this. These are the, the revelation gifts, are the knowing gifts, the discerning of spirits. This is, to me, and has always been one of the most important things for a man of God to have. And that is, you have to discern whether an individual has got, is working under the Spirit of God, Spirit of the devil, or through a human spirit. And there's things that come in churches sometimes that can operate and can, can try to mess up a service. And you have to understand what you're dealing with. You don't, and I try, I'm going to try not to get too much in depth right now because you, you don't need all, all this right now with what we're doing. But you have to discern what you're dealing with. Somebody can come up here and say, oh, I've got a devil. Get rid of it. 
And all it is is they're just over-emotional. And then you get somebody that's over-emotional, it's got a devil. Okay? And then, you know, you, you, you have to understand what you're dealing with because you just, if you don't, then you're going to constantly deal. Some, some people just have to be told, settle down. Some people have to have devils cast out of them. Okay, that's just the, what it amounts to. So you have to discern that. Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. Let's give an instance here of what the word of knowledge is. Word of knowledge would be this. Doctor came up and, and told uh, Bill something, let's say. And you came in here to, to his Bible study. And uh, you didn't tell me. Okay? The doctor told you. So the doctor knows and you know. And I tell you what happened. No one told me but God. That's word of knowledge. Because God told me something that you and the doctor already knew, but I didn't know. But God told me. That's word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is you come in here and I look at you and I say, Tomorrow you're going to go to the doctor and the doctor is going to tell you you're completely healed. You don't need to come back anymore. All right? You didn't know that. doctor didn't know that. But God knew that. And God told me. I told you. You went to the doctor tomorrow and the doctor told you exactly what I just said to you. That's a word of wisdom. Okay? That's how you understand the differences. Then you have the power gifts or the doing gifts. Gifts of healing. Notice here it says gifts, plural. And I believe this with all of my heart. And I, I've seen this proven to me. There are some people that can lay hands on someone who's got cancer. Or had, and they, God can heal them. A lot of times that person has had cancer themselves and God has healed them. And God gives them that gift to lay hands on someone with that same problem. And you lay hands on them and they're, and they're healed. Because you understand what it's like to have cancer. You understand what it's like to have to deal with the pain and the suffering of all that. So you have compassion. Because really when it comes to having the gifts of healing, it's people with compassion that, that are mostly used in healing because they know what it's like to be sick like that. All right, so it works that way. Working of miracles. And, um, you know, that comes in the, in the area, and again, we're not in a lot of details, but the area sometimes of weather. I, I've told this story many times here at the church. One time I, I had a miracle that happened, by, and I was working at the time down at Four Winds at the docks, and docks had just been destroyed once by some bad winds, and... And uh, they called me in. We had a huge storm coming, and I was down there at midnight one night. And I don't know what I was going to do. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to go out there and make the wind not take care. And that's what I thought when I went down there. But I was just so tired of working on these things and messing with it. I was walking out on the very end, and I said, God, I said, I want this stopped. You know, I, I've done everything I can do. To, to, I said, I, I can't do this. And it's just wearing everybody out. It's destroying things. And so I said, and I know this, I remember so well. I said, in the name of Jesus, let this storm stop. And instantly it stopped. It instantly stopped. It never, we didn't have any more trouble with it uh, as a result. But I had reached the end of my rope. You know, I, had, I, I didn't want to do any more. And I hate, you know, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to reach the end. But sometimes I think that this generates you, there's a kind of a righteous indignation that you get. And you know God can do it. God, I want you to do it. And so that's working in miracles. Faith. Faith is the ability here. There's, you know, there's a measure of faith that everybody's born with. We all have some faith. There's a fruit uh, of, of love. I think there's one fruit of the Spirit, which is love. But faith is part of that. And it has to grow. But this faith is a little bit different. This is a faith that gets you to here, to working miracles. Okay, in other words, I had to have the faith to believe that God could do something that I asked stop that storm. 
but it was a faith that built in me. It was just, it was, I, and you could, it's, it's a very difficult thing to explain, but it was just something I could feel in my heart. God is going to do this for me if I speak it. That's that kind of miracle faith that I'm talking about. Then there's the speaking gifts, the inspiration gifts. Uh, divers kind of tongues. Now that, the, the, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in another tongue. Another tongue can be understood by a, a Someone maybe from Spain, maybe someone in an Indian dialect, anything. It could be understood by somebody here. I've, I've seen that happen. Um, so that, that, that's different than this. These tongues, you've got to first speak in tongues, receive the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues. Then God can give you a gift of divers kind of tongues. And this comes in a, in a church in a message. There will be a tongue that will come out when everything's right. That tongue will come forth. Well, when that tongue comes forth, you know it's a message, then somebody in the congregation has to have the interpretation of tongues. All right? In other words, only God knows what this man's saying. This is a tongue that is not understood. Only God understands it. And so that tongue comes forth, then somebody is given the interpretation. They stand up and they'll interpret what that tongue was said or was said by it. Now, prophecy is almost the same thing as these two tied together. Only in this case, a lot of times it happens during the preaching of the Word. A preacher gets up and begins to preach. He goes beyond just preaching a message. God, this, this touches him, and he begins to prophesy about what is going to happen, either in the church or for an individual's life, whatever it may be. He prophesies, and you can tell. And instantly you know that he went into God is speaking through him literally. Speaking through him. It also can be uh, just all of a sudden in the, in the midst of a worship service. Someone can, can say, start standing up and say, Thus saith the Lord, this, this, this is going to occur. So that's prophecy. And these are all, all wonderful things for the church that, we all, that the church needs to have. And the Bible says, covet earnestly the best, best gifts. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Uh, God's power then is, is manifested in this way. Let me get here, yeah. Uh, and let's look at let's look at uh, twelve and verse thirty one. You should be there, but look at verse thirty one. Thirty one, just verse thirty one. It says, "But covet earnestly the best gifts." Yet this is what I want you to see. Yet show I unto you a more excellent way. All right, he just gave a chapter on this. He said, "But I'm going to show you something even better." And he begins with verse. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 13. Read chapter 13. It's called the love chapter. He says, better than all these gifts is, is the love chapter. That, that What really love is about is loving one another. It's not a matter about doing one another, having the best gifts here, best gifts there, but it's a matter of loving one another. And that's why he says what he does. Then he, he throws that chapter in between chapter 12 and chapter 14. Because chapter 14 tells you how to regulate the gifts of the Spirit. All right? So it's one of the it's a wonderful thing when you begin to see it. All right. Now, a new priesthood with living sacrifices. We may not get through all this one, but let's let's look at this. So we're talking about what the church is made up of. Uh, the Bible says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, uh, a holy nation, and it goes on to say that you should show forth the praises of him that's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's first Peter two nine. So we're a new priesthood with living sacrifices. And within that, uh, we, have, we have the five-fold ministry. And let's look at the five-fold ministry according to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Just a few pages back towards the, the back. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. 
Okay? Now, this is what is in the church. This is a leadership of a church, and he defines this. In verse 11, he says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. For what, what do we have those for? He says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, in the church, there are still apostles. These are men who direct. There are prophets. These are men who give words from God uh, for the congregation. There are exact callings for this. There are evangelists. These people gather. There. They come into a church. They preach. A lot of churches have evangelists. We've got evangelists here that go out and they're gatherers. And then there's pastors. Pastors is shepherd. He, he directs too um, in, in a little different way. Then there's teachers, people who just do what I'm doing right now. Okay? We, we have those in the church. And the fivefold ministry equips saints to serve. What they do is equip you to go out and to be soul winners, to serve God. And to do it effectively. That's their purpose in the fivefold ministry. Now, it goes on to say, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of the lips. So we're looking uh, as fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name in Hebrews 13 and 5. And if you look at this, you'll see all these scriptures. And again, it's impossible for us to go to all those. But let's look at, let's just, let's just understand what is worship. You know, in the church, in a church service, you have this going on. Uh, we also have this. We have sessions, and you've been to church here. You see us doing these various things. You have the singing, and Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Psalms 30 and 4, Psalms 40 and 3, 69 and 30, and also Ephesians. We're, we're close to Ephesians. We're, look, at, look at chapter 5. Look at chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Okay, you right there. Okay, verses 18 and 19. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so you see there's singing in the church. There's also dancing in the church. Uh, you can see that in Psalm 149. And three, Luke six twenty three, Second Samuel six fourteen through sixteen. There's the clapping of hands in the church. You'll see that uh, Psalm forty seven and one, hundred and one, and Isaiah fifty five and twelve. Uh, there is a lifting of hands. First Timothy two eight, Psalm twenty eight and two, and we go on. Psalm has several different ones. Uh, and musical instruments. You see them here in Psalm thirty three and two, one fifty three through six, First Chronicles. Uh, 15 and 16. So the important thing here is to understand that all of these things happen. All that you see here in worship happen in the tabernacle of David in the Old Testament. But here's what's interesting. Look at Acts. Look at the book of Acts 15. Acts 15. 13 through 17. Okay. Are you there? 
And after they held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, that's Peter, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. But to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, For after this I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. So, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the Acts of the book where the church was born, he said that once again the tabernacle of David would be restored. All right, that is what this is. This is a, a store, a, a restoring of the tabernacle of David. That's what the church is all about. And we do things. That's why we have the right, according to this scripture, to go back to Psalms. We have that right to go back to Psalms and to see what kind of worship happened then because of that particular scripture. Okay, so a new priesthood with living sacrifices. And we're going to talk about a holy people. We're going to start with holiness next week. A holy people separated unto God. Be holy, for I am holy. All right. Questions? Comments? Well, I tell you what, when I, I, I'm clear like this, it just makes me feel so good about myself. <laughs> Anything at all that you can think of? Yeah. Put your page back over. All right. Is that there? Yeah. Okay. Okay, this is... You're preaching and all that. Mm-hmm. How, how does it you say go out amongst and do it? I don't understand your ministries. The mi- okay, the ministries. Now, these are resident within the churches. Okay, They're, when I say church, a church is God's called out people. It's not just a building. Okay, it's, a, it's God's called out people. And evangelists are primarily what they call the gatherers. This is what we all, you know, the Bible tells me as a pastor that I'm to do the work of an evangelist. But an evangelist is the one who goes out, brings people in. And so we have like, uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, we've you got can a have church anywhere. Yeah, you can, ha- you can have church you know, to a degree, but then they have to get into a congregation to be able to, to be taught and to learn. Because what I'm teaching you here is just just the surface, okay? Because it takes takes some time to get it all in. They have to get in in order to have the fellowship of God's people as well. You know, you can go out. And I've heard people go out, and and you know, there's, churches can be established. You you know, you yourself can go out and you can be an evangelist, and you can do what I'm doing right here, and you can teach them, and then you bring them into the church, and they get settled. You understand what I'm saying? That's so you have that now. A pastor, a pastor protects. You know, he, 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 you know, the evangelist brings him in, pastor should protect him. And an apostle overlooks all this. Okay? Then you have the teachers, people that, you know, evangelists more together, a teacher kind of grounds people. You know, because I'm giving you an evangelistic, per se, teaching kind of combination thing here. But a, a teacher grounds people. He gets them, okay, there's a lot of stuff in here to teach, believe me. So there's a lot of that. And then uh, a prophet, he just, he's a, he's a, a foreteller or a, what they call a foreteller. In other words, he uses the gifts of the Spirit pretty much and foretells or foretells. He can foretell things or foretell what's going to happen to you individually, you know, maybe tomorrow or something of that nature. And, and that happens. It doesn't happen every church service, but it happens. You'd be surprised at how much of that kind of thing happens between individuals. They don't necessarily happen from up here. It happens when people are talking to one another. Okay, so that's a fivefold ministry, and again, the purpose of it is to get people ready, to make it to heaven. 
ready to be a soul winner, ready to do the work of the ministry. That's really what it is. All of us are ministers. We're not all this, but we're all ministers. That's, that's him. And that's what we do. Okay. Anything else? How about you? Any questions? Any comments? I wonder how long the duck's going to be. Are we ready? Look at the duck. Oh, man, we're eight minutes from the duck. Oh. I must have started him late. <laughs> all right. All right. Anything else at all? I didn't really have to stop there, but I, I want to take the time to go through the principles and the application of what holiness really is all about. That's, that's very important. And then we'll be getting into, whoops, we had an explosion. A balanced life. <laughs> that's all right. The natural and the spiritual. And then we're going to be getting into the early church and how the early church was, was actually, a lot of martyrs, martyrdom occurred, how people were killed for this message. And we'll talk a little bit about Paul probably get through most of this and we're going to be getting into the end times okay the destruction of Jerusalem and so forth all right all right well let's pray let's ask God to touch father we thank you for your blessings we thank you Lord for this family and I pray that you would help them be with them strengthen them God above all else I ask now that you would just let your spirit fall upon them strengthen them Jesus in it let them desire you more than life itself because we know, God, that's where the answers truly are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you guys. You take care. You take care.